0: They have weapons, you have weapons, everyone has weapons. But right now, no one has a clear advantage. So the price of peace is at an all-time low. This is the perfect time to sit down and hammer out an agreement. It is January 18th, 2024, back from a much needed week of both getting the schedule cleared out and recuperation for some of us. I am Matt, coming to you from a slightly less colder Geistown Burr here today.
1: (laughs) Well, Well, I'm Steve in Southern Bedford County, where I am enjoying the 22 degrees we have with all the snow. And that's not being sarcastic. I genuinely like winter. No,
0: It's not bad. It's certainly no. better than what it was like the, when it was negative something.
1: Yeah, yeah. When it was negative 20 one time, that was a bit much. That was a little much for us. I went out but... Tuesday
0: morning to drag in my garbage can. Uh-huh. There's a ground mole, middle of the driveway, just frozen. Mm. Just like, nope, it's it. Time to go. <laughs>
1: yeah. At least you didn't fall or anything. No. That's true too. Yeah, speaking
0: of falling and breaking a hip, how's your hip?
1: Oh, doing well, doing well. I got um went to physical therapy today, and uh, the physical therapist, when I saw him the first time, he said in all the years he's been doing PT, he has never met anyone who ever did back to back hip replacements within five weeks. He said nobody has ever done that. He says that's that's just crazy, and then. He said, and in comparison to everything else, he said, the fact that it's been two weeks and one day since you had your hip, both hips replaced, well, your second hip replaced. So a total of seven weeks from when I had the first one done. And then I had five weeks later, I had the second one done. So now it's seven weeks later and I'm talking to the physical therapist. He said, the fact that you got out of your truck and walked in here without a limp is impressive. He said, no cane, no walker. You're just walking around. He's very impressive. Well, good.
0: Well, that's how we do stuff around here. No no yeah. scrubs. Yeah, yeah.
1: No no B team here. Got to be the A team. But.
0: We're either gonna <laughs> we're either gonna win or die.
1: That's right. no because remember, second place is the first loser. So that's the nice. way I look at life.
0: Well, good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of were uh, a little animated and wanted to talk about something here today and you actually uh, when I talked to you talked to you earlier in the week. So yeah, you well, kind of drive the drive the car.
1: Well, it um, I've been retired from the Marine Corps now for 20 years. I was in for 22 years, been retired for 20 now. And when you're in when you're in the military, I'm going to say all the branches. When you're involved in it, all your focus is is on completing whatever missions assigned to you, whatever the task is, whether it's a daily task or you're out in the field or you're deployed you're busy focus on that. You're not looking at a lot of, you're not sitting back and thinking nationally or strategically um, or most of it. You're, you're busy basically doing what you're told to do. Yeah.
0: It's a day job or it's a job. You just go do your job.
1: Right. And the higher up in rank you go, the more to where you're, view of things expand you, you begin to see the bigger picture of things of what you're doing the higher up in rank at you achieve the more years of experience you know it just comes with time but from from looking at it from 20, 20 years of being retired and looking at the way we are as a nation is going I've really gotten kind of contemplative on if we're going in the right direction and what got me to thinking about that is all of the prior world empires that used to be around okay so now most people think of um world empires you know like britain you know russia you know spain france that type of thing so but if you go back you know you go back in time you know, you go, if you want to go way back in time, you can go all the way back to 2400 BC and there's the Sumer, S-U-M-E-R, empire. And what the, what an empire is, the definition of that is, you know, controls most of the known world at that time or a large portion of it. So you have the Danish empire Then you go back, then you, you know, you come coming forward more in time. You have the um, Italian Empire, the Byzantine Empire, the Persian Empire, um, in a the, you know the, the um, uh, I'm looking for some of the more recent ones, the Ming Dynasty. Then you got the Empire of Japan. If you want to get back into the 1930s, and then you have you had the French Empire, you had the Spanish Empire, you had the British Empire. And then and actually, there was the Russian Empire for a while. The Mongolian Empire was a very big one. Mm-hmm. Genghis Khan, you can thank him for that one. And then the, the latest one, I already mentioned it once, was the British Empire. That's the latest one that has collapsed and is not the empire that it used to be. So I, and I was I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, we as a country are kind of, we're not supposed to be constitutionally, but... We're almost like an empire, the United States, in what we're doing, and not from going out and conquering countries and taking them, you know, over. And you know, here's your American dollar, and here's your rule, and everything like that. It's just that we've expanded globally so far. My opinion is 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 that we are like a balloon that has been has had too much air put into it. We're stretched to the limits. Of what we can handle financially or economically, however you handle it, militarily, and as well as the most important national treasure we have people. Mm -hmm. Because as you watch the, you know, and this is a presidential election year, and I read an article in the, how you wanna say it, I call it Epic Times, some people call it Epoch Times, that there is people within the current president's um, cabinet that is saying the best thing that he can do to get himself reelected is to start a war because as a nation, traditionally we will not change presidents in the middle of a war. And I could see that. Yeah. And and, and while I'm not shocked at that, to me, the callousness of his cabinet saying we should start a war, another one. We just got out of one for the past since 2000, since um, 9-11, we finally shut down Afghanistan and everything, and we won't go into the fiasco of pulling out of that 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 was, that the callousness and the cavalierness of this cabinet saying we should start a war is they're expending not only the monetary, the money to start another war, but the national treasure of our young men and women who fight these wars, just that eh, will just throw they're like cannon fodder to them. They don't care anymore. Now, granted, just for clarity. Yeah, I have a son who is a Marine officer. He's a pilot. Mm-hmm. He flies for the Marine Corps. But you know what? My family's been in the Marine Corps for over 100 years. That is just our family tradition. So it's not because my son's in that I'm saying this. I just think we as a country have become a warlike country and we've we, we steered away or we veered away or drifted, whatever whatever verb you want to put on it, from what we're supposed to be doing as a country.
0: Have we drifted, or is it just now more information and there's more evidence because of the size of it?
1: Because uh, I think mean, here, here'd be my, my argument. Okay. I think
0: about it. So we did Revolutionary War. Yeah. 1812, Civil War, and even even effectively history is pretty quiet depending on how it's it's presented. Is well, you had the Civil War, and then the Industrial Revolution that led to the start, you know, World War One and World War Two, and then on from there. But there was all the all the conflicts during the post Civil War era. With the native tribes, you know, Custer and that whole deal. Oh, right. Yeah, right. We yep. had, yep. Um, and there was the Spanish-American War.
1: Mm-hmm. Down in Cuba.
0: Um, World War One, World War Two, then Korea, you know, mm-hmm. ha- has, is there, is there a legitimate argument to be made that we just are more aware of it now? Mm-hmm. And I I because, you know. and, I, and I would say that from the standpoint of not just awareness, but because it is so much bigger. Because everything that we had talked about there was relatively, up until World War I, was relatively confined. At the end of the Revolutionary War, the colonies didn't say, great, we've removed, we've kicked Britain out of the colonies— Everyone in your boats were going to Britain and keeping the fighting going mm-hmm. where now it is a global presence everywhere. so every little regional fight is now our fight.
1: Yeah, I see your point. Um, that's not the way I was looking at it.
0: No I've the good I like right. your I okay. like your take on things.
1: Yeah. So all right, let's let's take a look at it this way. So this is a this is at defense.gov. This is the the definition of what is the Department of Defense's mission. So DOD. You always hear that on TV. DOD. Mm -hmm. Their mission, their their defined mission. It's oh, and it's also the largest government agency, by the way, DOD. The largest makes everything, it dwarfs everything else. Yeah. But so their mission is to provide the military forces needed to deter war and ensure our nation's security. Deter war. It's not the War Department. That's what it used to be called. It, when, it, when DOD was first formed, it was called the War Department. And I don't know when it was changed. I didn't look that up to see when it was changed to DOD, Department of Defense. But defense is the key word there. They're supposed to be deterring war. But every, but every time it seems to be we turn around, we're going off to another conflict. Yeah. You know, constantly, you know, there's there's another base. We 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 have bases everywhere, constantly opening up more and more bases. But beyond that, looking at it from just the sheer amount of money we spend on defense. Now, to me, defense. In the Marine Corps, we were always taught, uh, granted, it's 20 years ago. So I'm talking about the era of the Marine Corps I was in. And back then it was the Soviet Union. you know, Russia, as we call it now, but it was the Soviet Union. That was our enemy. And we studied Soviet doctrine. We studied how the Soviets would fight and everything. And we had our own doctrine, maneuver warfare. You hit and move, hit and move, hit and move. It was constantly outmaneuvering the enemy to de- to defeat your enemy. That was the doctrine that we fought and we studied and fought against, or practiced to fight against. Mm-hmm. Um. So when, so we had that very specific enemy, and like I said, it's twenty years ago, but we constantly were training for that particular thing, and it was all the Cold War as as they called it and everything. So we practiced for that. We stood, you know, we stood watch for, you know, the Soviet Union and we're constantly looking out for any maneuver. And they would do a political maneuver. We would do a counter political maneuver. They would do a military maneuver, have military operations in one area. We would stage our military operations opposite of them just to let them know that we were there and they collapsed. So when the Soviet Union collapsed and became Russia, the Cold War was, you know, air quote over, and we were going to have a peace dividend, and we were going to be able to stop spending so much on military spending. But all we have done—that's never—that never happened. All we have done is expand more and more and more. We become globally where we're we're going everywhere, and we're fighting everything. And my question, and is how is that keeping within defense? How is that keeping our nation safe? Oh. I I missed my point. Sorry, my point was during that time in the Marine Corps, we were taught the best defense is a good offense to, to, to be the most offensive when needed. But we never went on the offensive, but we were always there. The Soviet Union and China knew that we were ready to strike at a moment's notice, but we didn't. Because at that time, you know, it was if we'd have gone into a third world war, it would have been mutually destructive It was mutually mad is the term we use mutually assured destruction because of our nuclear capability, the, nuclear the Soviet Union's nuclear capability, you know, and, it, and our military forces were, were about equal. And if we went at each other, it would end up being a stalemate. And, and both sides agreed that it would end up becoming nuclear and nobody would win because yeah. it would be mutually assured destruction. So it was a stalemate. So we had a great offense, And that that offense was the best defense that we had. But I look at us now, and we're we're being we're on offense everywhere globally. To what purpose? As you as you sit there in Cambria County, to are you safer by having the our military, which is spread thin all over? you know losing our national treasure our most precious national treasure men and women who are maimed killed come back with ptsd come back with traumatic brain injury come back with missing arms and legs and everything how is that benefiting us as a country
0: yeah no you you can i I don't i
1: I just I i think we've gone the wrong direction
0: there there is a there there is a calculation that enters into this that i don't understand um when you can make an argument i remember i remember having the arguments back in back in my time in school cuz that was about the time of gulf war 2
1: mhm
0: and being able to make and i made the argument and i still i still believe in it today i do i i, I think i'd stand by it is the concept of if you believe there's a threat, remove the threat. That is very different than completely bulldoze an entire country and then try to rebuild it.
1: Agreed. Yeah, yeah, I'll Which agree with that it, to
0: me would be defense. Hey, these are not great guys. There could be. We think there's. Uh, we have. Good reason to believe there's, there's a nuclear issue, a WMD, whatever. Okay, that could be a threat to us. Eliminate that threat. That is completely different than just toppling an entire country and spending fifteen years rebuilding it, mm-hmm. all on our dime.
1: Right, all on it, our it, tax. I, I try time. to
0: boil it down yeah. to a, a, a more local perspective. Right, you're walking home. You were just. Uh, down in Bedford or down in your yeah. local town. Oh, there we go. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, the, everything froze for a second. That's fine. Good old internet connection. So um, you try to boil it down to a local perspective. That's the a last local I heard. Perspective. Yeah.
0: Okay. And so you're you're walking to your truck. You're out at the store, and somebody jumps out. Give me your wallet. And that's a threat to you. You handle that threat. Let's just say you you you.
1: For me, I would pull my forty-five yeah, and put two whatever, rounds into him. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. That's the end of it. Yeah, the threat's do you gone.
0: Go to their house then and burn it down.
1: No. But no, that's not what at we all. do as a I've country. eliminated it, right? Mm-hmm. Agreed.
0: so so the idea the, and that is not defense. That is empire building. Right. And the problem the even the problem about that is I'm completely willing to have an argument about why that's a bad idea versus being an actual empire. And said, "Hey, you know what? No, be an empire, but we suck at being an empire."
1: Yeah, and we we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be.
0: I can make. I'm absolutely saying we shouldn't be. But even if you want to say yes, we should, you have to then prove to me that we know what we're doing, and we don't. Yeah. With it, there's Mm -hmm. never what successful rebuilding of a place that we've gone and basically tried to to. to, completely redo as a country has been successful since world war ii
1: well the only country where we did that too and it was successful was japan yeah that was it and that's because general douglas MacArthur went in there it was almost like a dictator and he rebuilt everything they rewrote their constitution and we've got them back up on their feet and running and and besides and the Japanese, the culture itself is a very work-oriented the culture, culture. Lended
0: itself to that, and and
1: they and they, you know, wasn't all of us doing it. It was a lot of self-motivation by the Japanese people themselves. Um, but since then, nothing. It's never you worked.
0: Know. Didn't no, work in Iraq not. the first time. Didn't work in the second time. Has nope. it worked in Afghanistan? Didn't nah. work in Vietnam.
1: Mm-mm. No.
0: North Korea. Not old. at all. We did a bang-up job of North Korea. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Where's your, if you're willing to say, where's your son Luke stationed?
1: Oh, he's stationed in Japan, mainland Why? Japan. Why? Yeah. Because, because of the, that's where because the Marines. North Korea. Yeah, yeah, we got and North China. Korea. Yeah. You know, standing there in the you know the Pacific Rim area. So and, he's dealing with an issue in China
0: in 2024. Mm-hmm. That was an issue in 1950.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. China and North Korea. So, um you know, so I did a, I went out and looked up as the United States, we spend, this is for 2020 or 2022, so not, not 2023, the latest I get, most, best information I could get is, um, yeah, it, it's a fact sheet for 2023, but it's the information from 2022. We've spent $877 billion on defense. And that's 3.5% of our GDP, gross domestic product. And our gross domestic product is $27.97 trillion, which is a number I can't even fathom. I have a hard enough time with a billion. Yeah. Trillions just beyond me to even fathom. But our defense spending is 3.5% of our GDP. And if you look at all the spending of the entire world's on their defenses – and take a we spend on ours so if 100% of the world spending for um, defense we account as one country the united states account for 39% of the global spending on defense the closest next country to that is 13% and that's china yeah so we spend triple
0: which which people will make the argument is China is a military threat, like the Soviet Union was. But they also conveniently not point out is it's a completely different world now with that because we were not doing billions and billions of dollars of commerce with the Soviet Union.
1: Like we, we do with China.
0: Right. So it's not like we're ramped up against something that could literally be we've never been on that five-minute clock to to war like we were with the Soviet Union
1: not a nuclear war yeah, yeah. The, the the clock right well you know and China is a threat it is a threat. I mean I, I, I said that when I was in the Marine Corps and I was retiring and I was talking to the Marines you know and they said hey hey sir because I was a major you know any any advice and I said yeah keep your eye on China so everybody's busy all over, over at the sandbox, worried about that. I said, but China is a growing threat because China wants to be a world power. Mm-hmm. Granted. But one of the things that China has while they have a large military from a logistics standpoint, how do you move a million man army?
0: Yeah, it, it is. it is.
1: It's a regional regionally. They're fine. Globally. They're not. Yeah. You know, so it's, because you no matter you know,
0: what, you still have to overcome the fact that you're moving a million people.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, that from a, a lot of people don't realize how much logistics are very, very important within a war of what you've got to do with it. But it goes but it, it goes back to what I was thinking about without you know, without getting into the weeds about China and Russia. And and if you look at Russia's GDP and their spending, they spend more, Russia spends more on their um, military from a from a percentage of their GDP than we do, but their spending is is a, like a, a nickel compared to ours. If we if we spend a dollar, they're spending a nickel. You know, it's it's a very small percentage, small number. We as a nation, I think, just like the Roman Empire, because everybody knows everybody knows about the Roman Empire, two hundred years that we are on the verge of collapsing because we have like that balloon it's been blown up too much we have overextended ourselves and we're going to we're going to have a financial collapse because of what we're doing i just think we are way beyond anything we're supposed to be constitutionally i think we're i think we've completely lost well track of what we're supposed to do as a country.
0: That brings up a question, because I saw the article the other day, and I want to have a longer conversation with you about this at some point. But but in the context of this conversation, New mm-hmm. Hampshire back on the 4th of January, so 14 days ago, passed a bill called the Defend the Guard Act. Mm-hmm. The bill in the state of New Hampshire would require the governor to not allow the use of the National Guard troops from New Hampshire in any foreign deployment that wasn't an official declaration of war.
1: Well, good for New Hampshire for standing up. I have, I have a buddy, a guy I grew up with. We went to high school together. We went to junior high school together. We went to high school together. He went into the Army and I went into the Marines we both retired. We both were enlisted, and then we both retired as majors. But he was in the National Guard for years, and he was in a, he was a uh, physician's assistant, did a lot of surgeries and everything. He he was. We were sitting there. We were sitting there one day. We would ran into each other after like thirty years, and we were talking. And he said he was frustrated because when he was, and one of the reasons why he retired from the National Guard, he said, "Here I am in the National Guard." I'm supposed to be defending my nation, specifically the state of Maryland, as the National Guard, the Maryland National Guard. And I'm in another country in an undeclared war down there performing surgery on our soldiers because we're in some other country. And, and it wasn't even a war. Yeah. He said, but it was a shooting match. People were, you know, kids were getting shot. Well, I say kids because I'm in my 60s and you in your 20s. You seem like a kid to me, but young men and young women were getting shot in an undeclared war that was not, you know, not sanctioned. But he was down there, and, and he said he got so frustrated with it, he got tired of being deployed out that he finally just said to hell with it and he retired. He said because he said I joined the National Guard to defend my state if needed, not to go to all. He said, that's what the active duty was for. He pointed to me. He said, that's what you guys are for, not from us.
0: Yeah. Well, even, even yeah. then, you could make an argument that that's not for that, for the, the active duty, is it? In um, this uh, New Hampshire right. law, um, the United States uh, would have to pass a, a declaration of war as pr- pursuant to Article One, Section 8, Clause 15 of the Constitution. Um, that includes participating in armed conflicts under, uh, or hazardous service related to conflicts so effectively that this if this had been in effect, New Hampshire's National Guard would not have participated in any activities since uh since September eleventh at all
1: right um, yeah because if I remember correctly to if the president wants to declare a war, he has to get a two thirds vote of Congress I think that's the number I'm not sure don't. Quote me on that, but I, I believe it, it definitely has to be the majority of Congress has to approve a declaration of war. But anything prior, anything other than that, it's not a declaration of war. Like in the Marines, now the president can always deploy Marines up to 60 days, and we were always told that on the 60th day, if there wasn't a declaration of war, we had to get we had to get out of the area, get back on our ships stay offshore for a certain number of days, and then we could go back in because it gets out around that 60-day thing because anything yeah. beyond 60 days is considered war. And yeah. without a declaration of war, we can't deploy beyond that.
0: This is Article, um, Section 8 of Article 1 is the enumerated powers of the legislative, legislative branch, uh-huh. which is the, over, the overview of the congressional, Congress's powers. Uh, general one general clause one is the general clause one is the general welfare, which is collect taxes, duties, impose, impose, excises, pay debts, provide for common defense and the welfare of the United States. Um, the the subsection that we're talking about um, clause 11.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To declare war, grant letters of marquee and reprisal and make rules concerning captures on land and water.
1: Okay. So to say how many has to vote? No. What percentage? No. no. I, I, I believe, believe it's be, two. Th-
0: I don't think it's two thirds.
1: Well, you'd have to have the majority. It's the majority, I believe. It's got to be the majority. Yeah. Yeah, but not yeah. two thirds. Right. But it's, uh, it's a pretty significant number. Yeah. Which most, you know, which I, th- I think it's why they, they can't get it. They wouldn't get it if they wanted to, to declare war.
0: No, and, and remember, the last official declaration of war was post-Pearl Harbor.
1: Yeah. They yeah, didn't we- even
0: try to get one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I guess that opens another question, because like I was just gonna, about to point out, they, were gonna, uh, they didn't even try to get one post-9-11. But that may have been an issue of how do you declare war on an organization? Mm-hmm. Al Qaeda, in that sense, in that in that uh, instance, versus a country. But at the same time, twenty years later, was still in Afghanistan. we we were twenty years later, still in Afghanistan. Have since, mm-hmm. in a dis- very disastrous way,
1: withdrew. Very disastrous. But yeah. well, and that's where
0: <clears throat> so a, a declaration of war could have i it's just fought, just just often boggled my mind that there could have been i could have been in school with people whose kids it it is logistically possible i don't know if it happened i'd be curious if it ever did people who were in school on uh, 911 and in the guard mm-hmm. could have had kids in college who were in the guard and went to Afghanistan as well.
1: Yeah. When 9-11 happened about a month afterwards, because I was active duty then and we had scrambled, you know, on the day of 9-11, which is, you know, basically 9-11, that day was my, my parents' version of Pearl Harbor. I mean, I remember that day vividly what happened, what we did. Sure. But we were, those and I was, you know, I was a major, we were officers and we were sitting around talking, strategies of war and everything. And I remember this one, one lieutenant colonel said, our kids will be fighting this war long after we've retired. And my son, nine years ago when he went in, it's part of it.
0: Yeah.
1: And it, what, he, what he said back in you know 2001 was true. You know that it was going to go on for so long, but that's where war the the war has changed because when I went when I went in, in 1981 when I went in the enemy was the Soviet Union. Sure, they were our the the Cold War had been going on since 1961 when the, when they first start when it basically the Cold War kicked off. Uh, that was also conveniently the year 1961 with President Kennedy deployed advisors to Vietnam.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. And that's basically that's when Vietnam kicked off, you know, the the mission creep that that started and the fiasco that Vietnam became, but we, um, it was, it was an us, them, you know, the Soviet union, they had their uniforms, they had their military structure, they had their tactics, they had their doctrine and and they studied us. We studied them, you know, your enemy and we practice it. And then in, 2001 when 9-11 happened like you said it wasn't it wasn't a country it wasn't a nation it was a philosophy it was it was bin laden came up came up with it so how do you declare war against a person or a philosophy you know there there was no clear lines so the, the nature of warfare has changed that there are no you know clear lines of, you know, okay, the enemy's over there, we're over here and, you know, we're going to, we're going to hold them in the front and do an end run. We're going to, you know, flank them on the right, you know, and punch through their lines and everything and push them back. And, you know, that's going to be over kind of like, kind of like the uh, Korean war was. Yeah. We don't have it anymore. And we've always said when I was in is we always practice fighting the war. We think we're going to fight. Based off of last year's war or the last war that we had. And and we did, we did have a lot of um, thinking. That was very much the type of warfare we did in World War II and in Korea. And um now we started exchanging a lot of it due to Vietnam and a lot of more you know, that's how we came up with maneuver warfare. But I think we as a nation are still looking at war the same way we did back 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, going in and setting up, you know, p- pushing out, creating a, you know, creating a borders and everything for our our pe- our people and holding the line. Which is effect- it's all changed.
0: Which is effectively the leftover vestiges of what war and conflict had been for
1: a millennial millennium. Yeah. You know, literally. The, a millennium. the line? Okay, yeah.
0: wars over. Where's your okay? You're now there. You're now there. That's right. it.
1: Yeah, I I just. You know, like I said, it, the older I've become, the more reflective I've become on things. You know, and I, when I was in the Marine Corps, I absolutely loved it. I loved what I did. I knew what I did that there were times where it was not, you know, it was not pleasant. You don't talk about it. You um, know, but I, I think we as a country have, we've lost focus on what our military is really supposed to be doing. And I think a big influence on that is the military industrial complex that we have as a country because mm-hmm. war is money. You make money on war, yeah. but war is not saying, Oh, we're going to go to war. War. What should be say is okay. How many, how many of our young men and women, the sons and daughters of this country, do we want to sacrifice on the battlefield? So these large industrial complex companies can make money. Yeah. That's the context it should be discussed in. How many thousands of men and women are we willing to screw up or kill so the, the military industrial complex can make more money?
0: And I think that's been, to me, one of the things that has been so evidently highlighted in the last year or two with everything in Eastern Europe. When the first question started getting asked, why are we putting all this money and, and resources into Ukraine with Russia and vice versa. sit down, talk to them, work it out. We had it, you know, uh, what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. And you had not just low-level people say, senators coming out. No, we have to. It's good. Don't worry. It's it's We're giving them our stuff, but, you know, the money's going to our companies to make new stuff for us. We're giving them our old stuff. That makes it better. We're still billions and billions of dollars we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And completely ignoring an entire generation marched into the grinder to keep that money flowing to those companies. Oh, don't worry about it. It's not Americans, though. Yeah. And that wasn't, it is not, that's not a, that's not a crazy internet thing. That's Lindsey Graham.
1: Right. Yeah. Lindsey that's Graham. Blumenthal. Yeah. Blumenthal. R- yeah. Relatively well-known showboating senators. Yeah. You know, it, I just, I don't agree with where we are going as a nation when it comes to our military. Um, I, I think that, now, you, you know these episodes better of Star Trek off the top of your head than I do. But what was that episode from Star Trek The Next Generation where there was a, a uh, race of beings who were seen as the, the, the best at war, mm-hmm. but they were never challenged because their, their reputation was so fierce that nobody would ever go up against them?
0: Yeah, peak performance.
1: Is that was that was that yeah, the name of the episode the,
0: name of the episode season two um uh, peak performance peak. right because okay. yeah a couple couple of reasons one I just had seen that episode two mm-hmm. um it's probably one of it's actually not even not even one of the best it's actually one of it is one of the best um Picard quotes that I actually have hanging in my office at work mm-hmm. for when students come in and says um you can do everything right." and still fail. That's not uh, If you can do everything right and still not succeed. That's not failure, that's life.
1: Right, yeah, agreed. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. And 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 that's to me is an interesting perspective that the reputations there but it has never been tested. We I don't even know what the global p- reputation is right now. Of 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 the, it, it everything's such an unknown. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they look and say, okay, yes, there's a country that has in the last twenty years, pretty much rebuilt two or have taken over two countries, influence around the globe. But on the other hand, we're also. Kinda didn't do it good. Mm-hmm. We get pushed on stuff and we just kinda don't do anything with it. I mean, they're fighting it right now, trying to figure out how to handle that everything that's in the Red Sea going on with the Houthis and stuff that yeah. is effectively it's not it's not the Soviet Union in in the nineteen sixties and we mm-hmm. were on par with it's 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 a band of—, of Folks running around outside right. of the ocean, shooting missiles, hoping for the best.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and we still and can't, we can't figure that out, right? can and and because so so back in back in God, what year was that that I did that? Back in nineteen ninety nine, I had finished up a tour of recruiting duty for the Marine Corps. I was a captain. And I was sent to Quantico for advanced school. We called it advanced communication school. It was a longer term for it, but to keep it simple. And it was 10 months. And within that 10 months, you know, we studied communications. We studied infrastructures. We studied pol- the politics. We were taught how to be able to give briefs to generals and politicians. You know, we were taught how to analyze, you know, it was more of a strategic type thinking course. And, during that time, the CIA we, we got we were briefed. We all had to get top secret security clearances, and we we were briefed on a lot of things that to this day I still can't talk about. And one of the one of the organizations that came in was the CIA. Mm-hmm. So we had these two spooks sitting up there, two spies. Um, we call them spooks. It's just you know the, the normal yeah. term for them, um, and. They had just sent. It was on the news. They had sent two missiles over and blew up one of Bin Laden's palaces. Bin Laden, one of his palaces. Okay, he had multiple palaces at the time. Yeah, because lots of oil money there. Huh?
0: There was more money in the family.
1: Oh yeah, because he came from royalty. Yeah, he he came from. He was he was Saudi Arabian, and. And they told us about this and they, and they missed because he wasn't there. They blew up the palace and they said they had t-shirts made and had it sent to them and said, um, yeah, and now how the, where they knew he was, I have no idea, but they had t-shirts made up and it said, Hey, Ben, we missed, but we'll be back. And it had a picture of like a missile on it. And they were like laughing about it. And, and I just kind of shook my head and, and the one spook called me up and goes, Hey, captain, he said, why are you shaking your head? I said, well, I don't know where you guys are from. And I said, but I'm from the country. And I said, and in the country, when you have a rat, the only way to get rid of a rat is to kill it. And I said, and then you hunt down the rat's parents and you kill that, those two, and then you kill all the brothers and sisters of the rat. And guess what? You don't have a rat problem anymore. And I said, sending him a t-shirt, I said, isn't getting rid of the rat. And, he, and so, so he, he looks at me and goes, so what's your solution? And I said, I'll tell you what the solution is. I said, you detach me from the Marine Corps for six months. I said, I'll tell you what weapon system I want. You give me two months to get, get good on my rifle. And I said, and you tell me where he is, where his mother and father are, his brothers, sisters, aunts, and uncles. And I said, and I'll go take care of the problem. And I said, I'll kill the rat and everybody in the rat's family. And I said, and guess what? All the terrorists will get the message. You're not risking your life. You're risking your entire family being wiped out. Mm. And I said, and then you st- attach, you reattach me back to the Marine Corps. And while you're at it, you drop a hundred grand in my personal bank account for doing this. And their jaws hit the ground. And everybody else in the area sort of, you know, all the other captains sort of laughing. he said, yeah, that's Eddie. And he said, he gladly do that. But these two spooks, you know, they just they thought that it was funny just to send a couple of missiles and they missed. And then sure enough, that was in 1999. And what happened, you know, two years later. Yeah. Yeah. So if they would have done their job, because bin Laden wasn't a, he wasn't a military force. He was an ideology and he had a group of people and to the CIA, it was just like a game of cat and mouse trying to find these guys. Don't play cat and mouse with a rat. Just go kill the rat yeah. and kill his entire family.
0: Well, it makes me it makes me remember that story. Um, what you were saying is, um, and actually, I just looked it up. It was uh, May twenty eighth, ninety eight. Bin Laden conducted an interview with John Miller from ABC.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And
0: he stated in the interview that the United States was a paper tiger, and they knew that because of the lack of any military response, a successful or direct military response to a succession of attacks centered around the bombing of the Kenya and Tanzanian embassies. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was no, they took it that way. They, they, There was no seriousness taken of the threat. Right. And they felt emboldened to, Hey, nothing's going to happen. But, right. but, but here's, here's to kind of keep us to get loop back to your original point. Mm-hmm. We also weren't not doing anything We were still this global military power spending all this money around the world on things that weren't threats for defense, but just were because—
1: Left over from the Cold War. to do
0: it. Or—and not even—let's not even even go around—you didn't have to go around the world. Mm. How many times— do you come across stories and see we have it locally here? We had it locally here with the airport how many times? Little military detachments, little little bases, little um, units stationed here or there that got to keep spending that money because Congress won't let you pull out and say, hey, let's consolidate because we don't need 16 of these. We need six. <laughs> Right.
1: Yeah. when you shut down a base, you shut down a major economic center for that local area.
0: It's not even a base. Look what they did at Johnstown.
1: Well, well yeah. I mean, well, a, detach- okay, a, yeah. a detachment. Okay. A detachment. Yeah.
0: So it doesn't have to, be- when you say base, people think
1: big base. Yeah. Massive base. Right. Well, but it and, it, and in that same vein, going back to the Cold War, all the bases that we have around the world that are left over from the Cold War that are still open. Germany, Spain, you know, those are just two off the top of my head, Japan, you know, we, we have bases still left over from the, the Cold War era that we could easily shut down, bring them back to the United States, and we could build up economic areas around the United States that are surrounded around a base. Mm-hmm. You know, we should shift the money back to the United States and benefit us, not the economies of the areas that those bases are in, based off of a, a strategy that is- 70 80 years old
0: which is which is a absolute factor for those economies as well yes the, it the, is the infrastructure around mili- US military basement base basements bases in foreign countries mm-hmm. absolutely entertainment restaurants shops mm-hmm. everything
1: yeah because the military gets paid twice a month 15th and the 30th yeah, or the, no we used to, the first yeah the first and the 15th no matter what and that is a lot of money. It comes in twice a month. Mm-hmm. And most of it goes out to the local economy. So building the bases back in the States benefits the United States. Twice the local economy. And a lot of the you know, I was at I was at Okinawa, Japan. You know, Okinawa is an island that is part of the the J- Japanese nation. And I was at a little place called Marine Corps Air Station Fatema, Fatima, but it's actually Fatema. And my son was telling me that he flew into it. And I was asking him a bunch of questions about it. You know, how would it look like and everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, but he said that, yeah, we flew in and they were, they were protesting the base still being there that the Okinawans want their land back. Yeah, They don't want us there. And they were at the gates protesting and everything. And I remember when I was there back in the eighties and guess what they were doing? Protesting. That we were still there. They want their bases back. They want the Americans out.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you know what? Hey, guys, let's pack it up and bring it back to the country. Bring it back to our country. Let you know, take all of our equipment out of there. Fly everything out. Hand them the keys. Say, here you go. And they've got their. They, they can have the land back. But we don't. We continue to stay there. I I just think that we you know, and I, and I sound like a broken record. We have really lost our way when it comes to what is the Department of Defense supposed to be doing. Yeah, And I think it's driven, unfortunately, I think it's driven by the economic engine of the industrial military complex and all the politicians who have got, are in the pockets of all these defense contractors. It's 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 just corruption across the board. Anyway, that, that's what I've become reflective upon. It's kind of like my... It's got me uh, kind of bugged. Yeah. You
0: know. Well, and I and just, I, th- uh, I think it's important that we when we're talking about that that it's not. I like I like putting into context these things, especially considering um, that one of the first times that this as a as a concept was raised on a level that the nation had to listen to.
1: You mean the military industrial complex, that concept? Yes. Okay.
0: Was on the, actually oddly enough, yesterday's was the anniversary, January 17th, 1961. (laughs) Dwight D. Eisenhower warning of the dangers of, this exact situation, on his his farewell speech.
1: Yeah, and if you don't and know who Dwight D. Eisenhower was, he was the five star general for World War II,
0: supreme and, Allied commander, yeah,
1: and became the president of the United States. Yeah, so he had he he knew both sides of the coin, military and the political side.
0: There, there's pretty much no title I can't imagine myself being able to collect in my time, both both in in career. Run for office that I'd be interested in. Other than there's no way I'm going to be able ever able to get a business card that says Supreme Allied Commander.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think anybody will? It's not like this was a
0: (laughs) a a 1960s peace movement hippie,
1: right? Yeah, (laughs) saying this, he was well versed in the military as well as the political side of things. Yeah, so for so for 62 years. Sixty-two years ago, the specter of this monster, the military industrial complex, was raised. Yeah. And 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 we as a nation, we're just not supposed to be doing this. Anyway, you know what? And and I know this is very a very thoughtful discussion, but that's why we're thought <laughs> we're, we're supposed to think these things through.
0: That's what we're doing. <laughs> Every <laughs> mostly every week.
1: Mostly yeah. Just yeah, not your thoughtprovokingblokes.com. Mm. Yeah, so thinking it through. Anyway, that's all I've got, man. I just I didn't get that off my I, it chest. Was absolutely it's, it's been bothering good, me. Good discussion, yeah.
0: Steve. Absolutely. Yeah. Worth having.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Well,
0: have a great week then.
1: You too. I've got a I've got to wrap up some work here. I, I I actually got my first chunk of work for the entire month. The economy is tanked so bad um <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty sad yeah. I, I know that our disconnected politicians think everything is great but out here in the real world it's not this this it's
0: it's I can't believe the disconnect and, I, and it's probably something we should have a longer conversation about in episode two is it's not at this point hey what was that shaking thing i don't know and it's coming over the loudspeaker everything is fine don't worry the yeah. titanic is vertical
1: right before yeah before
0: it snapped in half yeah and they're over to everything is
1: fine well because I'm the hanging, orchestra's I'm, still playing i'm the orchestra's hanging still from playing <laughs> yeah. 400 but feet it's all good air. but yeah oh man right. well matt have a good week all right you too, steve right. bye